My God is awesome. Oh, he's awesome. 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 My God is awesome. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, man has made so many, many gods down through time. The last count I had, the Hindus had 33 million. 33 million. And growing, of course. And growing. That's so, so sad. Most of the Trinitarians have three. Now, that's closer to what you were instead of a Hindu. But you realize why you stand here tonight believing in one? God, by His grace, open His light and shine upon your heart. Amen. I so appreciate Him, don't you? Let's read, if you would, St. John chapter 17, verse 11. We've been speaking about the church and we broke into a little intimate interlude here with the Lord Jesus and his chosen apostles. As Jesus and the eleven are on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas has now departed and Jesus is really opening up a place not only about the eleven, but of the future of the elect. Now listen, as the high priest intercedes and prays, he prays for himself, and then he prays for them, and then he prays for us, of course. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. Now you can imagine you're standing there and you're seeing a man, you're hearing his voice, you're looking at him, and he's praying. And he's saying these words, I'm no longer in this world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, again, speaking as if though he's gone. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost. But the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world. Now listen, what he wants you and I to have. That they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Praise God. That they might have my joy. Can't you see, friend, this is separate from you. Well, I'm going, I'm, I'm this and I'm, no. He never said nothing about your joy. He never said about you going through this or that. He prayed that you would have his joy. 
fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word. And the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world. Now you imagine they're not even born again. It wasn't just the new birth while the world hated them. The world hated them because they were elect before they were born again. Hallelujah. I have given them thy word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. And yet their nature was still of the cosmos. They had not received the Holy Ghost yet. And yet the Lord Jesus is praying and saying they are not of the world. And listen how he likens their identity of not being of the world. Even as I am not of the world. Now you can say amen to that, can't you? That he was not of the world. But how can we say they were not of the world? When they were not even born again. But he said they were not of the world the same as he was not of the world. He's got to be speaking more more than their flesh and their natural birth. Praise God. I'm talking about my high priest now, friends. I mean, a lot to be remembered tonight before the Lord. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we count on that honor to be able to sit in your presence once again. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that your glorious light has shined upon our hearts. Father, I realize that many, many people are religious in this world that we live in. But we know there's such a difference between religious and truth. We don't want religion so much. We want you. We don't want just theory. We don't want just theology. We want the person of the word. And we know when we get that, we'll get the correct theology. Fathers, we endeavor to Look into your word tonight. I pray you'd help us. Help me to move aside, Lord Jesus. I surrender myself to you, Father, and I present myself as best as I can. Help me. Give me the words to say. Shut my mouth to anything that would be displeasing to you. May I be a channel by which you can be able to flow through tonight to speak to the needs of your children, Lord. We call you on the scene tonight, Lord Jesus. Asking you to speak to us, Lord. Granted, Father, in Jesus' name. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. you. May be seated. By now, the sun has set and the shadows have been gone for quite some time. They spent the early part of the evening in a room called the upper room. It was filled with a nervous sort of tension. The disciples knew that something was different. It was a night unlike any night they'd ever had with him. They'd spent all kinds of nights with him since meeting him just a few years prior to this. No doubt they spent nights along the Sea of Galilee and they would rehearse the miracles that they saw. I imagine that night when they left Gadara that day and 
They all was just talking that night as they camped and they finished their meal. and They began to whisper one among the other, just wondering, how did he know? How did he know that man wouldn't kill him? How did he know that man was, was over there? How did he know? And then they'd talk about the 5,000 being fed. And they'd talk about the people, how they misunderstood him and rejected him. But this night was a different night. They could see him as he, his eyes were scanning back and forth among them. They would watch him as he would break the bread. And it was as if though he had something on his mind that he wanted to say, but he didn't want to say it. He wanted to eat this supper with them, but it was this, as if though it was an expectation with dread. I've had those, haven't you? And yet, they, they, they're excited because this is the Passover. This is when their fathers were brought out of Egypt. Oh, but if they only knew, it was fixing to take on a new meaning. And then I can see him as he takes the bread and gathers their attention. And he says, I've longed to eat this with you. Now, we know him well enough to know that he kept the pattern of the Scripture. It would not have been the first time that he kept the Passover. So they're kind of looking at each other and wondering, well, we did this last year. We did it year before last. Why is this different? He said, I want you now to take this bread and eat it. For it is my flesh. And I want you to drink of this cup. For it is my blood. And they're sitting there trying to comprehend. And he says, one of you will betray me. What? Is it me? And John's saying, Lord, is it me? Matthew and Bartholomew and Thaddeus. Then the, the aura of the evening changes. Amen. Then he goes to telling them, all of you will leave me this night. All of you will go away. No. No, Peter said, no, I, I'll stand with you though. All of you will leave me. My, they go from expectation and Excitement now to a strange, rare feeling of disappointment and such stressful emotions that they're feeling so tore up. Oh no, what, what, what is it? What, what's happening? What, what's, one of you will betray me. John laying over against him on one side in Judas laying on the other side, being prostrate, laying back, reclined. Amen. John said, Lord, who is it? 
Him that dips to whom I hand the sop, it is him. And he tells him what thou must do, do quickly. You know the story. As the evening progresses, Jesus begins to wash their feet. Then he lets them know, let's go. This was a usual visiting place for the disciples and the Lord Jesus. It was a place that he often resorted to for prayer. It's not really that far from the upper room to down the Kidron Valley, coming up to just the rise of where the garden is at. So he must have paced himself in order to work all this in. By the time now that Judas is gone and he opens up the very mystery of why he's here. And he begins to talk as if though he's already raised from the dead. He begins to talk as if though he is already on the throne of God as their high priest. As if though he's glorified and left the world. Now, he, he lets them in on his prayer intentionally. Now, we know prayer, you know, prayer being the communication channel of the saints of God. With preachers, it's a little different sometimes that preachers will preach sermonettes in their prayer. You know, and sometimes when you go to pray and God will actually take you and lead you in a direction. Ever God call a man knows that's the truth. And you wonder why in the world you're even saying that. But yet somebody needed to hear those words even while in prayer. So no doubt there was much of his prayers that was private. But he allowed this prayer to be one that was being heard. Because it pertained to him and them and us. So he not only allowed them to hear it, but he inspired John to write it. Isn't it amazing of all the four Gospels that John is the only one that writes this down? Now remember, John was the beloved disciple, the elect one, the electos, which was the one that had a special insight, not just from the eyes, but from the heart. So John's gospel is more of a heart gospel. So there was things about the very heart of God that was related. This is why he even opens up John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. And you know the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And he opens up in a total different way than Matthew. He's not dealing with the genealogy coming down to Matthias and David and so on and so on. But John begins when the Word come out of the eternal. Hallelujah. So it would be fitting that John would be the one that would catch this high priestly prayer. You imagine as they're walking along and Jesus is praying with his eyes open. 
He's not down on his knees so much like this and got his hands folded and like they would have seen the righteous, pious, you know, Pharisees and all of them and how they would do it. But Jesus is going along. Now he's teaching them the mode of prayer, the rhythm of prayer, the spirit of prayer, the consecration of prayer. He's showing them that prayer is not so much your bodily shape or, you know, none of that. But you can go while you are walking and have a prayer on your heart. The devil robs many of us because we think we've got to be in a closet somewhere with the door shut. Or we think we've got to be down on our knees or we've got to have our hands clasped a certain way. Jesus absolutely eradicated that thought. So here they are walking and the Lord Jesus is now saying this prayer. Now let's, let's break in as they are getting closer and closer to the garden of Gethsemane. Verse 14 again. I've given them thy word. Now hear that word there of course is Logos. I've given them thy word and the world. So I've given them thy Logos and the cosmos has hated them. Now he's going to tell us why. Because they are not of the world. Now the world didn't hate them because they dressed a certain way, even just so much because they were healing the sick, casting out devils. But the world hated them because they were not of the world. Now remember, this is prior to their own new birth. So they were hated prior to receiving the true baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've given them thy word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now keep in mind, this is before, this is pre-conversion. So here the high priest is relating, no doubt, in a way in his prayer, because remember the prayer itself contains a mystery of the oneness of the Godhead, also the oneness of the priest with the eternal and with those that he's going to redeem. It also relates to us the mystery of why the world so hates us and in the hatred that they have, why is the very cause? It's not because of us. It's not because we're goody-goody. There ain't nothing good about none of us. It's the grace of God and the mercy of God. Now notice the Lord Jesus wants them to be able to know. So the inhabitants of the world, worldly men, men that are of the cosmos or the worldly nature. Now what's amazing is this included Sadducee, Pharisee, Herodian, Essene. This just didn't include the prostitutes, the drunks, the liars, all that sort of thing. But it included much of their persecution was more so from the religious people than it was those that were just lost without God anyway. Is that right? Well, most of us can probably say that's where most of ours come from as well. It's from religious people, and it's because those people are under the anointing of the cosmos, which is the order of the day. That order has always been in every day. So the inhabitants of the world hated the elect prior to their new birth. Now notice they're under the influence of the God of this world and they're led by the spirit which is dominating this world itself. So the men of the world run them down. They talk about them. They do everything of course they can to persecute them. So the Lord Jesus wants them to know not in the form of sermon but now in the form of intercession 
intercessory prayer in the office of high priest, he wants them to know that the evil that has and will befall them in the future is because they are despised by the world and the reason that they are hated by the world is because they are not of the world. Now, it don't make us rejoice at the time, but it ought to. It ought to make you happy that the world don't love you. That's exactly right. If you're a child of God filled with the Holy Ghost, you can forget it. Everybody ain't going to love you. I don't care what you do. And if they do, there's something wrong with your Holy Ghost. That's right. Now, what's amazing is they were of the world by natural inheritance, by natural birth, but yet here Jesus separates them from the world prior to their new birth by his own calling. Now, they were already given to him by the Father. Remember that. And this is prior to their being regenerated, but they're already hated by the world. And yet they were led by another spirit and they were under another influence and something got a hold to them and led them out. Oh, thank God for the illumination of the Spirit of God in our lives. Now, there is something totally different about a religious person and a born-again person. And we know that a person can have a religious spirit and not be a bit more born-again than this pulpit is. But we don't want a religious spirit. We want the Holy Spirit. Notice he goes on to say now in this, I've given them thy word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So he places his elect given to him by the Father on the very same basis as he was, so they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. So now if we believe that and we're going to take it as word value, then he was not picking up a genos, a kind which was not of himself, and changing them from goats to sheep and saying, well, they're sort of kind of like me, not exactly because I was a sheep always and I was the Logos and they wasn't really the Logos, uh, but I felt sorry for them and I thought I'd do something for them. No, they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Now the high priest is looking beyond the human agency and looking to their representation and speaking of that which only the high priest of the soul alone could know. Now you and I can say, well, I hope you're saved and I believe you are and I hope you are and I hope you are. But the high priest can say, I know you are. Oh, glory. The high priest can say, they are even as I am not of this world. Now, of course, you know, most, my, most theologians absolutely blows our minds to try to go on this avenue which we're fixing to go. But they actually could trace their origination back to the same source. According to what Paul said, they come from the same being, so therefore he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So we are not like the modern people would think that the term of adoption is, that God adopted us into a family. We were of the family of the devil and we were this and that and the other and then God felt sorry for us as you'd go into an orphanage and then you say well look at that poor little orphan over there look at that poor little orphan poor little thing it's red headed it's got crooked teeth it's eyes is crossed one leg shorter than the poor little feller I feel so sorry for it you know it's name is this and that and the other but I feel sorry for it I'm going to adopt it and take it that's not what adoption is God didn't go into some spiritual orphanage and look at you and say well he's cross eyed and he, it one ear hangs down about like that and this side of his nose is jacked up that way his mouth looks over on side God said that ain't mine I'm looking down inside where the seed is Amen. amen they are not of the world even as I am not 
of the world. Hallelujah. Notice he is the Lord from heaven. Hang with me now. They are the children from heaven. Now he wants them to know now that the reason that the world is going to hate him. So Christ's prayer, it's amazing because he does not pray for their translation into heaven. Nor does he pray they will be exempt from problems. But he prays that they will be kept from the evil that is in the cosmos or in the world order. Now he separates the evil from the world itself. Now if you take all the evil out of this present world and there was only saints in the world. This would be a marvelous place to live. Just being that within itself. And the Lord Jesus, of course, knew that. Now notice this in verse 15. He said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. So now he's not praying for the eleven, nor for the elect from that point on. Our Father, now I want you to just rapture them all out of the world. I want you to bring them up to where I'm fixing to be. He said, no, I do not pray you would take them out of the world but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Now notice how he separates the world from the evil of the cosmos. So it's not the earth itself, it's not the planet, but it's the evil or the order of Satan. So Jesus says, Father, I pray you would keep them. Now you believe whatever you want to believe, okay? But this is what I believe about this prayer. It will be answered for every one of them he prayed it for. That's right. Now this is the end result of who they are that they will come to the fulfillment of this prayer. Well, my mama prayed for me. Wonderful. My daddy prayed for me. That's wonderful too. Uncle Josiah prayed for me. Praise the Lord. Uncle so-and-so and ain't so-and-so. All that's well and good. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I had somebody to pray for me. And you did too if you're seed of God. That was greater than Uncle Josiah and Brother Moses and ain't so-and-so. It was the high priest himself. Amen. And he prayed, praise God, that I would be kept from the evil of this world. I may fall. I may make mistakes. I will get down. That's right. But his prayer will not go unanswered. I will get back up again. I will dust myself off by the grace of God. I will go right back to my father where I come from because the evil will never get me and keep me. It can not overstep the prayer of my high priest. You imagine in his foreknowledge knowing the trials, the tests, the tribulation, the difficulty these 11 men are fixing to go through and what they will endure for the rest of their lives. Sixty years on, from this point on, John will suffer. He will be boiled in oil. Peter will be treated awful. Thomas will go to India, as I stood there several years ago, in the area where Thomas was. I mean, all them different ones by his foreknowledge. He could have went down through and said, there'll be this. But instead of praying, they would be took out of the world. He prays, Father, I pray you would keep them from the evil. Why, Lord Jesus, would you want to leave them here? Because he is the original apostle. Now listen carefully, you don't have to say amen because I know that sounds unusual. He was the original apostolic apostle. 
and he has now called them to be the continuation of his apostolic ministry. So it is absolutely because of the need of the world and our need, then he cannot take them out of the world. Why? We needed them. Well, you know, friend, think about it. It would be much easier for me just to go home tonight, okay? Just walk out of this world and go home. But I believe there's folks here that need me. I believe the church needs me. I believe my family needs me. I believe there's people that need Brother Tim Pruitt, don't you? Brother Dave Siler, Brother Terry, you know, Brother West, all these different brothers. It would be easier for us, wouldn't it, brothers, just to go home. But our family needs us. The church needs us. The people of God needs us. So Jesus is not going to pray, Lord, I pray you just let Donnie come home. Not till Donnie's work is over. So Jesus prayed that I would be kept from the evil that will be around this world. Now, I will tell you one thing for you. It don't make any difference how many times I fail how many times you fail nothing will override the prayer of our high priest when you get down and you get weary and you begin to think and you're not going to make it remember he allowed this prayer for you to be recorded amen so you can come back to and say the sinless one interceded on my behalf Praise God. Now, actually, it may seem strange, but he knew it was better for them to endure than it would be for them to to be called out and to bypass all this trouble, the same way for you and I. Now, in supporting them, of course, the high priest is now letting them feel, let them know how he is going to feel in the future state. Notice he said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. So preserve them from the evil. Give them grace. And the Spirit of God, whenever we're not stubborn and we're not hard-headed, the Spirit of God will warn us before there's evil in our past and the spirit of God will help us to divert around that evil right but sometimes we tend to be like old mules and stubborn and hard-headed and we'll pitch a sermon this way and throw it that way and so boy brother so-and-so needed that so I wish sister so-and-so was here tonight he sure got on her what if she wasn't here makes me wonder if it was for her or not but since you're here maybe you might ought to feed on it because you might find yourself tomorrow needing that very thing you pitched for to the back pew. Because you don't need it tonight don't mean you won't need it about four o'clock in the morning. Well, praise the Lord. But even if we go around and mess up and don't listen to the Holy Ghost and don't listen to the warning of the Spirit of God and we fall into that snare of the devil and that trap of the devil, guess what? The intercessory prayer of the high priest has already been prayed on the other side of the cross and he knew that some would come this way and they'd bypass them problems. Others would come right through the middle of them but he knew all that he prayed for, whether they come straight through or come around, they're all gonna wind up at point me because that's the way he prayed they would be there Amen. oh praise the lord notice as he goes on oh my it's very hard now them them they're able to see no doubt brother david as they're going through this and his heart is it they've never heard him say things like this before they've never heard him pray this way before they've never heard him reiterate it with such emotion and yet something they know is so deeply setting upon him and while they're coming and by now it's getting late it's getting bedtime and they're they're moving into this channel and they don't know what it is he sees he knows and he wants them to stand with him and yet they cannot the very prayer that he prayed 
Our Father, I pray you'd keep them from the evil of the world. It's fixing to be manifested in a few minutes in the Garden of Gethsemane. Whenever he needs a friend to sit with him, when he needs somebody to stand with him, where are they? Asleep. When he needs somebody to be saying, the Lord Jesus, I'm with you, I'm with you. Where's that man that done all that bragging and blowing, snoring? That's the way we go from bragging and boring to snoring. Oh, well, I'll tell you, glory to God, I'll do this, that, and the other. Next thing we find you. Come on now. You know it's the truth. You might as well say amen. Oh, my. Aren't you glad he don't look just at this old stinking part of humanity? He sees how we are and we mouth this and that and the other. He ain't looking at that. He's looking at his desire. This prayer was the desire of the very heart of God. Remember, Jesus was the heart of God on display. The prophets of the Old Testament was the justice of God and the judgment of God. But the heart of God was hid in the mystery under the veil. But here is the very heart of God unveiled. Hallelujah. And they would hear him say things that none of the prophets could say in the Old Testament. And they heard him talking to the eternal in such an intimate way they'd never heard anyone pray like that before. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Notice, they are not of the world. Verse 16, even as I am not of the world. And yet they're not born again yet. That worldly nature is still there. But Jesus said, no. No. You hear me, devil? No. They are not yours. Now you were in it even when you was there. You wasn't his if you belonged to God. This proves that the Lord Jesus saying, well, they're of the world now. But after a while, when they come to church and everything, that all he said, no, they're not even his now. They're mine. They are mine. Amen. They are mine. The Father gave them to him before they ever got the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you one thing, friend. Before you was ever born, you were given to him. When the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, your name was identified on that blood. Glory to God. You have been identified with him before there was even time. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now you imagine he repeats this twice. He says the same thing in verse 14. He comes back and says it again. Wow, he wants them to understand. I wonder if he don't want us to get it tonight too. That we are not of this world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me. Now notice, here's the commission of the original, first and original New Testament apostle. What does the word apostle mean? One sent. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into 
the world. And yet, listen, friends, they've only preached in Jerusalem and a couple of little outlying towns. Can't you see where he's at? He's in the future of his high priest office. As if though the Holy Ghost has already fell. As if though the church age has already started. As if though they have already went into the earth. Why? He's already, glory to God, he's already moved into that cycle of eternity. I have sent them into the world. And they're standing right there. Well, now, according to some of the message, folks, the proper order should have been that God, the Spirit, the eternal, the invisible, sent the body, the Son, and then the Son should have played God's tapes. And then, of course, when the Son left, then the Son would have called uh, five folds of the ministry. And then told them that, don't you preach. You push play. Well, praise God. That's what I told you before, friends. The dyed and the, dyed and the wool, as I call them, take people don't even believe the gospel. The gospel is go preach. That's the good news. Not push play. Well, praise the Lord. Brother Don, you shouldn't say that. Oh, but I should say that. Because our gospel is being attacked from our own ranks. Come on now, saints. It's being attacked from within our own ranks. But let me just let the devil know, and all those around the message headquarters included, God's got some real men today that's not going to come under the control of headquarters. No matter where headquarters is in Jeffersonville, or they try to make it in Tucson, or Johnson City, wherever more, our headquarters is in heaven. We're not waiting for some man to tell us to sit down or stop or push play or which tape to play. We're sent to preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. Watch him now. Father, they have not thrust themselves into this employment on their own. They was all happy with the jobs they had. They didn't want to be a preacher because they couldn't catch fish no more. They didn't want to be a preacher because they couldn't build a house no more. Did this and that, Father. I call them... It was not them wanting to preach. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't you see them apostles? They were carrying out exact succession of what the Lord Jesus said. I have been sent from you. They have been sent from me. And in every generation, I will call men that are sent not from the seminary, not from headquarters, but sent from me. He will do till the last one is called in the Gentile age. I am thine apostle. 
Now, I know some of you are looking at me really funny when I'm saying that. You know I've got the proof in front of me or I wouldn't say it. I am your apostle and these are mine. As you sent me, now I send them. Now, he's sent to purchase our salvation. They're not sent to purchase it, but to tell others that he purchased it. You see, there's actually two apostleships that the Lord Jesus is setting forth in this intercessor prayer. So you're not going to convince me tonight, friend, that the ministry is still not important and of great value right up to this very day we're living in because the Lord Jesus prayed right up until the body changed. That's how far this prayer will go. It covers every Gentile, every Jew, everyone down through the church ages whose name was on the Lamb's Book of Life. As I read it to you last Wednesday night, Jesus said, I pray not for the world, but I pray for those that thou hast given me. So this intercessory prayer is for the family. it is whenever you're praying at home you're praying maybe you and your children together your wife whatever it is and you'll have little needs and requests you know whenever you're saying the family prayer you have more you know there's more of an intimacy there and just a closeness and maybe things that uh, say brother brother Louis would call brother Terry to come up and pray you know brother Terry bless the service and pray or uh, brother Gene Lima some of the other brothers well there may be certain things on their heart that they wouldn't actually say but him and sister Janet go home and Janet we need to to pray about this and we need to pray about that Alice we need to pray about this but you wouldn't say it before the church because it might not be fitting but it's family prayer so Jesus didn't pray this in front of Judas <laughs> why what a family member he didn't pray this in front of the Pharisees or the Sadducees but this is family prayer Woo! hallelujah this puts family prayer in a whole different light don't it Thou hast sent me into the world, Father. Why? The world's need. You know the main reason why God still needs preachers? Because you need them. Heaven don't need them. The angels don't need them. It ain't that preachers need a job. Most of the preachers I know is gifted in many avenues. They could be doing all kinds of other things. But the real need is you people. You people have a need for God. Is that right? If I ever die, leave the word, whatever more, your need will call some man of God right to this pulpit. Right? It's done it over and over again. It's done it for countless of generations since the Lord Jesus prayed this prayer. And it will be ongoing. I don't care how much the devil tries to stop it. He will never stop this prayer because this is part of the prayer of the high priest. And those who fight against the ministry are fighting against the very intercessor himself. You see, for some folks, religion is just something that's kind of, well, you know, it's social, it's, uh, 
you know, it's, it's, it's somewhere to go. You just kind of go together. And in my eyes, the way church is becoming now, you can go there and you have Starbucks and have rodeos and clowns in the pulpit and out of the pulpit. I'll have clowns and they have um, uh, rodeos and circuses and weenie roasts. And, uh, uh, and I, I believe we ought to do a lot of roasting in church, but I don't think it's so much the weenies as it is the sheepies. Now, most churches would rather have weenie roasts than sheep roasts. Which a lot of them would be goat roasts anyway. So, I mean, you don't have to worry about roasting no sheep there. But yet, you know, they'd rather do that so it's a great social thing. So everybody just gets together and they have supper at, you know, 6 o'clock. And then they have prayer from 6.15 to 6.20. And then they have black coffee from 6.30 to 9.45. And then they got donuts in the basement. And then a lot of the churches have started having movie night. So they'll come together and have movies, you know, they'll have movies. Well, we've got enough drama going on the way it is. We don't need to start showing movies at the church, I don't figure. But what is it? It's something to draw the people. Look, friend, when we get to a spot that the truths don't draw the people, it's time for us to shut our doors. Let's just shut our doors and go home. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ will still draw the hungry hearted. I don't need a cup of coffee or a hot dog or an ice cream cone to get a crowd. You see, for the family of God, the Lord Jesus is a necessity. For some people, he's a convenience. But for the elect of God, they can't live without him. It's not like a pair of windows on your car. Oh, okay, well, you know, I mean, it's nice to have a, you know, that's kind of aggravating. You know, Jesus is kind of nice to hang around. It'd be real nice to have right before you die. No, he's nice to have every day that you live. If you ever really get him right. What's this? Hebrews 3.1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Okay, now y'all can say amen. Oh, praise God. Y'all loosened up. Thank God. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest. (laughs) The apostle was sent, was sent to bring our salvation. Then once he brought it, what did he do? He moved from the call of apostle into the call of high priest. But what happened to the call of apostle? It's still on the earth in the form of human beings men that are being sent around the world all praise be to God to take this truth and still declare that he's the same yesterday today and forever notice wherefore holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle ain't that wonderful the apostle and high priest of our profession Christ Jesus. Why was he sent? For the glory of the sender. For the glory of the sender. Amen. I have glorified thee on earth, he says. Now he turns it around and that they've hardly done anything yet. But he moves into the future state again and he says, they have glorified me. They haven't already done anything yet. But he's looking in the future state of the church. 
What for? The glory of the sender. The Father sent the body called the Son. And the Son glorified the sender, Father God. Amen. Amen. The Son of God then, as high priest comes back on the day of Pentecost, indwelling his people as the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then he sends out others for what? For the glory of the sender. It's a shame that a lot of men think they're sent out for their own glory. Well, praise God. That didn't go over well, but that's all right. You see, the Lord Jesus is fixing to leave the world. So he's going to send out men who not only have his word, but have his heart and his mind. The prophet tells us the bride has the mind of Christ. She knows what he wants done with the word. Men have had the word for hundreds and hundreds of years, friends. But it's evident they don't know what to do with it. They make denomination. They make organization. God sent a prophet with a message. And what did many of them do? They done exactly the same denominational thing. They started a seven denomination, a Perusian denomination, a return denomination, a tape-only denomination. Come on now. Don't get quiet on me. It's the same old denominational spirit. It divides people and cuts people apart. But God still got a bride on the earth that ain't one none of them denominations around our ranks. Don't you see what the true ministry is? It's the work of the Lord Jesus in bride form. <laughs> it's the continued work of Father God. But look, for instance, you know, most of these folks are in the message of believe that their hearts haven't been turned back to the original word, no way. <laughs> Woo, boy, y'all gonna get quiet on me, is They don't have the original word, they're making something brand new. Like David, they're bringing the word on a new cart. Two little wheels. Now remember the prophet said the word was supposed to be on the shoulders of the Levites and the word was sitting right above their hearts. A tape player can't feel the burden of the word. A tape player cannot feel your need. You'll never put, pull nothing out of that tape recorded service. You'll never pull that tape in your direction. But if you've got a need and there's a man of God in the pulpit tonight, your faith can pull him this way and that way and that way and that way. You can't pull a tape. You can't pull a, come on now, don't get quiet. Why? Because it's not a live, activated ministry responding to your need in heaven. Well, I wish somebody would hear me. But the live ministry, my, you've done it countless of times when your needs have been beyond the confines of what the preacher has studied and you'll pull him and you'll pull him and you'll pull him. Why? Because you've got a need. You've tapped into the presence of God and God's speaking directly to you from heaven. That's why most tape people ain't pullers. Those that, that, that ever, ever see the light and come out of that, that thing, most of them have to learn how to pull. They don't know how to pull on a gift. They don't pull. They just sit there and listen to a tape. So they're not really a partaker of the service. 
Why? Because they have no input. Because no matter what they do, if they sleep, if they snore, if they fall off in the floor, the tape ain't going to change. Brother Branham's momentum ain't going to change. Nothing they're going to do one way or the other is going to affect that service. But brother, sister, when you come in and you've got a live ministry here, you have an input in this service. It's not just the preacher in the pulpit. It's not just the song leader. It is you and you and you and you, young and old, middle-aged, every one of us have an input and also a responsibility in how this service will even turn out. (laughs) Praise God. Well, I'll be mince meat this weekend, but that's all right. (laughs) Notice in verse 18. Now watch this prayer, but it's a prayer of meaning, yet a prayer of understanding to the hearers. Verse 18, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And what did Jesus do? Preach. Okay, so now we've got a five-fold ministry. We've got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All five-fold that ministry is supposed to do the same thing. Push play. So you've got a pastor in a church now. He pushes play already. So then you bring in a special evangelist, a special speaker, and he gets up behind the pulpit and says three or four words, and then the evangelist pushes play. I wish I was. <laughs> so you bring in another, you bring in a missionary. And the missionary comes in, apostle, one cent missionary. You bring in a missionary in to speak to the church, but he's not allowed to say anything. So he gets up in the pulpit, and, and what does he do? He pushes play. And then the teacher, well, we're going to have a few meetings with, with a, a, a teacher and the message, Brother Hill. He'll be here, and we'll have special meetings Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with, with the teacher and the message. Well, Friday night, everybody comes in. We're all under anticipation. The teacher gets up. Praise God. God bless you, saints. Hallelujah. Love you in the Lord Jesus. Push play. Now, maybe I'm missing something. Okay, maybe, maybe I'm just all wet. I mean, that's, that goes with that, without saying. But, you know, am I missing something somewhere? So you're going to bring an evangelist in. You're going to buy him a plane ticket. You're going to get him a motel room. You're going to feed a fat Thank me anyway. Uh, you're going to feed him. You're, you're going to do all that stuff. And then he's going to do the same thing that you could have done. And False doctrine. Pray. As thou hast sent me into the world. Now, friends, whose tapes do you think would have prevalence over any preacher that's ever preached since 2,000 years ago? Peter, Paul, James, John, or if we've been able to record the literal voice of the Lord Jesus. 
Which one do you figure would have been the most important? Now, even look at their words. Who's, how could Peter's words even compare to Jesus? But Jesus never said, no, boys, go out there and just read what I said. Write it down and just read it. They never even had a New Testament until 59 AD, so how, how did they have church? How did they have church for almost 30 years without a book to get up and read from? They were preaching! <laughs> Woo! But do you realize some of these people in our ranks would definitely feel like Brother Branham's tapes had more value than the Lord Jesus? Oh yeah, they promoted from headquarters that God pushes play in heaven. Look, friends, I ain't talking about here, Sam. I'm talking about things I hear myself. God? Because the bottom line is, most of those believe what's on that tape is God. They won't come out and say it. But the bottom line is, that's what they believe. It's the deity spirit resurrected together. The foolish virgins around the message that's not bride material. They went out under Eliezer's call with Rebecca, but they never went into the tent with Isaac, but they fell in love with Eliezer along the way, and they'd rather hear Eliezer's voice, and they'd rather sing about Eliezer and talk about Eliezer. Come on, children. Oh, my. They rally and scream and holler around Eliezer, and you talk about the Lord Jesus and they sit there and look at you. Why? They're not married to him. But if you ever get married to him, oh, hallelujah. He is your alpha, your omega, your beginning, your end. He is your everything. You thank God for a prophet. You thank God for a pastor, but there ain't nobody like Jesus. I said there ain't nobody like Jesus. So here goes these apostles with the very same commission that Jesus had. Preach. Cast out devils. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. You ever seen a tape player with feet? Feets, Brother Jewel calls them. Brother Don, don't you think you want to get the tapes out there? Yeah, I do. By God call away. Preachers and cars and planes and bicycles. Oh, yeah. Why? That's the apostolic way. Go preach. You see, just as the Lord Jesus delivered the Father's word, which was his name, now he's calling the apostles to deliver his word, which is his name. For the word interpreted is the manifestation of the name of God. I know that stumbles some of you, but it's simply because of our Western understanding of name. And the name goes with the traits and the characteristics or the attributes by which Father is revealed at that particular time. He revealed himself to Abraham and he would choose a certain name at that time to reveal himself. But with that name would come an attribute which was a rhema word from God. 
So whenever Abraham has need of a ram, then what does God do? God reveals himself in the form of a different portion of his name. Whenever he reveals himself to Moses, he said, uh, who, who am I going to tell him that, that sent me down there? said, tell him I am that I am has sent you. Well, that had never been said before. But that was a part of his name, which was the word interpreted for that hour. Praise the Lord. You understand? So the word of God is more than just screaming, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You can do that all day long and be as blind as you can be to his word. And still really not know the power of his name. You see, many Trinitarians scream the name of Jesus, but they don't know that's also the Father's name. So they take the name of Jesus as a lesser God or a secondary God. But when we say Jesus, we know it's the Father's name, the Son's name, the Holy Ghost's name because they are one. And we also know it's our name. So the name, the word interpreted as what? A greater understanding. Now you see, friend, this is why that we are against organized religion. Even the apostles did not have the authority to start an organization. They never done it. Jesus did not send them to start organizations. What did they do? They built churches. They preached the word. They cast out devils. They healed the sick. Why? That's what they saw him do. <laughs> That's what they saw him do. So what did we see Brother Branham do? We saw Brother Branham set preachers down, right? Really? No, no. So we don't find Brother Branham going in and telling all the preachers to sit down now. We don't find Brother Branham telling Brother Neville, now look, Brother Neville, when I'm gone, don't you preach. I find the exact opposite. I find Brother Branham telling the people of Branham Tabernacle, Brother Neville is a great blessing. Every time I come to hear him, I get down so many texts. I preach so many sermons out of what Brother Neville had to preach. Say what he said now. Come on. Why? Because that is apostolic. Can you imagine Brother Branham sitting under Brother Neville, a pastor, and sitting there and getting things? Oh, Brother Donnie, I can't believe it. That's what he said. He said, I've heard Brother Neville preach many times, but I was definitely led of the Lord this morning when I had Brother Neville to preach. He said, I thought it was so nice. He said, the way he brought that out there, that the man diagnoses the case, but here comes the man with the pan of needles. I thought about that, he said, after hearing that, because that's the way it is. And here Brother Branham got so many things out of hearing another man preach why because brother Branham was apostolic just as Jesus delivered God's word so the apostles delivered Jesus word that's the way it works so if you're sent from the message headquarters you'll deliver their word which is basically what they want anyway. They want everybody under their control. That's the bottom line. They don't need your money. They got more money than you can even imagine your mind anyway. Huh. What money we would have, what money all the rest of these churches have together, ain't nothing compared to what they've got stored up and put back. I've done seen enough of the reforms to know that. They don't need our money. They want control. They want to be able to control this church and that church and that church and tell the preachers to sit down and shut up and listen to them. Play this tape, play that tape. I'll play what tape the Holy Ghost tells me to play. And if the Holy Ghost tells me to preach, guess what I'm going to do? Preach. And I'm going to preach with all of my heart. Why? Because I have been 
sent from Jesus, which was sent from God because of your needs. Praise be to God. Let's stand. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so also, I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Now, wasn't that Jesus was sneaking around, you know, smoking a little bit on the side and had some kind of bad habits and all that sort of thing. But he was sanctifying himself, separating himself from those things which as a man he could have had. He could have had a wife. But you see right there, see that bothered some of you. Jesus could have physically fathered children and it would have had nothing to do with his work of redemption. But some of you would have struggled with that because of your association with sex. You think it's all dirty, it's all filthy, it's all rotten, it's all corrupt. He had, he, he had that part about him as a human. He could have had a wife. Imagine him having a wife going home with and comforting him and helping him and trying to encourage him along and tell him what a great job he'd done. Instead, he had Peter, James, and John. <laughs> they weren't bragging on how good he was. They was fussing about which one's going to be the greatest once he was gone. <clears throat> Right? But he knew some of his people would struggle over him being married and having children. If he had fathered children through a natural woman, through this, the same way that you fathered your children, they wouldn't have had eternal life. They'd still have been born again. But some of you would have struggled because of your understanding of holiness and purity and sanctification. So Jesus said, Father, I'll let that go. I won't do that. Not that it was wrong, but it would have hindered some of you. Boy, now we're getting worried where it gets tight. But we're so selfish, so self-centered, and we want what we want. We don't care if it hurts people, offends people. It don't make no difference to us. That shows we're not where he was. But we're going to be. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. It may seem impossible. People read this prayer and they make fun of the Lord Jesus. As we go on down to verse 21. And he prays that we may be one. Agnostics, infidels. They read this prayer and laugh and ridicule and say, what? Yeah, look at the churches. They're split and divided and have been for thousands of years ever since he started them. They ain't never been one. They just don't understand oneness. This prayer has been and will be answered. 
Let me not get into it because that's next time. But I hope you can understand. There has been a oneness in every generation that fulfilled this prayer. But it was not one ecumenically. It was not one was sitting down with every point of doctrine. No, but this oneness, the oneness between him and the Father, has been since he prayed it. And guess what? It's going on tonight. And if we'd sit down and discuss things, no, now, Brother Donnie, I don't say it that way. Now, Brother Donnie, I differ with you on that. I disagree with you. I, no, 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 I don't believe it that way. No, I don't believe it. And people think in their mind, that's oneness. That ain't oneness. That's human conflict. That'll never be the same till we're all changed. Praise God. Aren't you glad you're part of that church? Let me just ask you this as we close. Has your heart as an individual been turned back to that true, original, apostolic faith? Do you believe what the apostles taught? It's what Jesus taught. Jesus wasn't going to send, come forth with the Father's word and say, now boys, it don't matter. Y'all just preach whatever you want to. It don't really matter. If you don't think it's important, just leave it out. That's not, the, <laughs> that's not the way he built his church. And it's not the way he's going to do us today. He's going to send us to go back exactly to the original word. And that's why I say a lot of the folks are making something brand new. Preacher's not preaching. That ain't, that ain't apostolic. It's a new cart. Oh, I don't say it ain't a revelation, but I just say it ain't according to the word. Well, it comes from a prophet. Well, I don't even deny that. So is Joseph Smith. All kinds of things come from prophets. Well, praise the Lord. But a true prophet stays with the word. Amen. Well, God bless you, saints. I love you with all my heart. As long as I'm your pastor, I'm going to tell you the truth as far as I know it. I hope you always want to hear the truth. This is the church Jesus claims is his own. Not, not Happy Valley, but this scriptural church. This is his church. You see, to a real believer, we don't take quotes to try to fight scriptures. To us, the message goes along with the Bible. I love my Bible now more than I've ever loved it. The message did not replace my Bible. The message helps me to understand my Bible. Praise the Lord. I don't have to hide scriptures and, and run this and run over there because I think the message conflicts. Oh, no. No, it, it all ties together. It's one thing when I heard the message years and years and years ago. In Pentecost, under the fear of serving God, always afraid, knowing you're always falling short. And I've told you before, I got to a place that every week in Pentecost and preaching, I felt I had to fast. Three days, five days, seven days, ten, fourteen I'm talking about driving, putting up tents, driving tent stakes. Can hardly even go. And it becomes such a legalistic thing. I felt like if I didn't do it all the time, God wouldn't use me. And it got so legal. And I heard a brother that was a Pentecostal. And I heard him praying. And he just really done something to me. And he addressed the Lord, Homer Stevens. Father God. I thought, wow, Father God, Father God, 
Because the mind thinking of Pentecost, the anger, the fierceness, the wrestle. But it wasn't just the miracles that got my attention about Brother Branham, the message. But it's the way he talked to the Lord as well. Y'all know what I'm saying? It just, it just, I don't know. It just made me, it just made me want to know him that way. I felt like Brother David that I, I didn't know him that way to be able to speak to him. You know, I'd come to him like this. <laughs> Brother Bram talked to him like a friend. Now, he didn't always talk to him that way because when he first come to him, he didn't know how to pray. So he tacked a note up on, on a tree. Remember that? He didn't know how to pray, so he tacked a note up on a tree trying to find peace with God. Then he went in a coal shed and he got down on his knees and held his hands. He said he saw a picture one time and they, they held their hands a certain way. He said, <clears throat> uh, Sir, uh, God, dear God, I, I pray that you would help me. He said, Sir, am, am I not saying it right? Lord children, look at the darkness our prophet was in when God found him. He didn't even know how to pray. So he said, I just said, I'll just let that go. And he said, Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he said, the seal broke around him and that cold shit. <laughs> he might not have known how to hold his hands and do this and that. But God taught him. How to pray. And God taught him how to love him. I want to love him that what same way. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, if we sit here in this place tonight, for these brief moments that we've been able to reminisce, yours and the apostles' journey on the way to Gethsemane where you were going to suffer. Lord, our hearts go back and then they go forward, of course, to our time. And we just want to say with gratitude tonight, thank you. Here you are facing this horrific time before you. Beating, suffering, bleeding, whipped. And who do you have on your mind? Your people. They're fixing to strip you naked. They're going to beat you so bad that Isaiah said you didn't even look like a man. But who do you have on your mind? Your people. Help us to be like you, Lord. Oh, we want to walk in the hospital and empty the hospitals. We want to raise the dead. We want to call people out of the graves. We want to do all kinds of great things so people will look up to us. But how many of us want to be like you like this? I raise my hand to you, Lord. If I have to choose between the two, between miracles and this, I choose this. I want to be a man after your own heart. I don't just want your signs and wonders and miracles. I have those, and I thank you for that. But Lord God, I want your heart. I want to love the way you love. I want to forgive. I want to have such love in my heart that 
That love in me will love out to my greatest enemies so much that it will overwhelm them. Because that's the way it was with you. Then I'll go in secretly and pray for somebody and watch you perform a miracle and just go back out again. and Maybe three or four, half a dozen or know about it. But give me that great crown. Crown my life with a love that is so powerful. It can break hatred. Love that is so powerful. It can cast out devils. But this is the way the prophet said we cast out devils. By love. Praise God. Make us more like you. Lord, as we sang it here Sunday, I've just been singing it every day since then. Nobody could love me like you, Jesus. We know that love is so real and so true. Then we want to turn back and say, we want to love you like we love none other. We want to love our wives, our children, our brothers, sisters, our church family. But we want to love you like no one else, especially higher than ourselves. Oh, blessed Father, thank you, Lord Jesus. May your prayer be fulfilled in our lives. Praise God. How many wants that in your heart tonight? Would you raise your hands with me? Would you just make your petition before him, Lord? Fill me with your love. Make me one, Lord Jesus. Let me love like you. Praise God. Herein shall all men know that ye are my disciples when you have love one for another. That love, Lord, we know is not displayed when we're all in harmony. It isn't displayed in its greatness when everything is going good. But in distress and indifference, that's when that love is able to reach beyond indifference. Distress, anxiety, dissatisfaction. Oh, Jesus, we love you, Lord. Would you just let that love, oh, God, let there be such a baptism of the love of God flow through this place tonight. Lord, let every member of Happy Valley just be so baptized into the love of God that we fall in love with you in a greater way. We fall in love in a greater way with each other. Lord, with the people I hear of the world that we can reach out to try to help, to carry this same thing, not for our glory, our credit, our honor, but the glory of the sender. My ministry is not for me. It's not so that people would look to me, Brother Tim's, Brother Branham's ministry was not given so people would make an idol out of him. He told us, don't look at the messenger, look at the message. People still don't believe that quote to this day. They still make more out of the messenger than they do the message. Because they worship the flesh of the messenger. And the message is Christ. It's easier to become part of that natural thing than it is the supernatural. Oh, we love your prophet. We thank you for sending him to us, Lord. But he couldn't go to the cross. He couldn't die for us. It wasn't him that got up from the grave. 
It was you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. We worship you tonight, Lord. Can you sing this song here? Can we just worship him a little bit now before we go? Oh, don't you want to be like him, children? Don't you want to love like him? Not just lay your hands on the sick and go out there and praying for people and casting out devils. Can you love like Jesus? Let's just sing it together before we go. Every yes, Lord. It's like a picture that you painted, you painted for me—a love letter in the sky.
no singer, no preacher, there's none.
of the Lord, and so appreciate his presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Be a trustee meeting in my office after the service. Service here this weekend. Remember the wedding also on Friday. We just come back expecting the Lord to speak to us once again by his word. Courses were dismissed this evening. Amen. Well, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever in his arms I feel protected in his arms never disconnected no in his arms I feel protected there's no place I'd
loving arms, never disconnected, no, in his arms I feel protected, there's no place I'd rather, rather be, oh, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love